Thank you for joining us today. We hope God speaks to you. We hope dreams come alive and faith is ignited so you can impact the world and those around you for God's kingdom. Enjoy the message. All right, well guys, it's our time. So are you ready to lean in level 10? You know what to do. Do you have your notes? Do you have all of the things pushed away from you? No, no crazy phones or anything going on because it's time for us to hear from the Lord. I'm excited about it. Well, listen, if this is your first Sunday joining us, welcome. If you are new to Orlando, if you're living in the Orlando area, we are meeting in person on Sunday mornings in, in East Orlando. So come find us at cityplacechurch.com. Calm. But this morning you have joined in and we have some notes for you. I need you to go to cityplacechurch.com backslash notes. You can download the notes as a guide for us today as we continue our series Breakthrough. Now, Pastor's been laying some really amazing foundation for us over the last couple of weeks. We've had the foundation of breakthrough. We talked about breakthrough in our mind. And just last week, we talked about needing a rest break, a rest break. And I don't know about you, but there was something last week that I was like, that is for me. I told Damon when he came back home, I said, babe, you preached that like straight to me this morning. How many of y'all feel that way? Pastor's been preaching it with breakthrough. And I'm so excited to continue continue in this vein uh, this morning. You know, over the course of time, we've been talking about this idea of breakthrough and, and sometimes in our minds, we think that something like breakthrough is very difficult because when we think about breaking through, you think about maybe football players breaking through the little entry as they're going into the field, or you think about something that feels like a brick wall, right? That needs to be broken through. And to us in our strength, breakthrough is hard. The pastor's been showing us that breakthrough in God's hands. When David declared that you are the God of breakthrough, that God says, I break through as water. Like I, I break through with no, with ease, right? With no restrictions. And this is the idea that we have. Now, if you joined us a couple of weeks ago, as we were going through our time of 21 days of prayer, uh, we got online on Facebook, on social, I hope you were there, and we talked about the story, a couple of stories. One was Jonathan, and the second one was Gideon, when it was time for them to break through. It's time for Jonathan to break through enemy lines. It was time for Gideon to do some things in the enemy uh, territory as well. And my question for you, in both circumstances, we said this, there was something that laid the scene of breakthrough. And that, that thing that we're after, what makes breakthrough possible? What made Jonathan go to the enemy's camp and, and climb up and say, come what may, I'm not doing this anymore, was a spirit of desperation. And so I want to kick off our time this morning by asking you this question, are you desperate enough this morning for breakthrough? We have to ask ourselves that question in all honesty because sometimes our head is ready for a breakthrough. We're even exhausted in our mind or in our body or our spirit is, is desperate, but we're not really ready in our soul for a breakthrough. And other times we even ask ourselves, is it God's will for me to experience breakthrough? We give ourselves an out by saying, God, I'm believing you for this area that needs to be broken through in my life, but maybe it's not your will. Maybe it's not for me. Maybe you, in fact, don't, you don't actually have breakthrough designed for me. So this morning I ask you again, are you desperate enough for a breakthrough? And let me say it like this, because last week we talked about something very uh, specific as we talked about needing a breakthrough in our rest, a rest break. 
Are you desperate enough for rest? This morning, I'd like to continue on this idea that Pastor started with us, rest break. We're going to call it part two this morning. So journey with me with your real Bible this morning. Go ahead and grab it and get yourselves ready for God's word. What would you say if you had the ability to experience freedom in your life? Right now, as you think about the thing that might be holding you back, the thing that is causing a little bit of strife or stress, or maybe something that's causing you to worry or feel a level of anxiety, what would you say if I told you that the answer is right here? But you chose not to actually pursue that thing, the thing that would set you free or be able to advance you or be able to free you from the burden of anxiety. For us to have the ability for breakthrough, but choose not to pursue it seems foolish. And so I ask you this morning, if God gives us a prescription plan, a blueprint for us to experience rest, a way for us to experience breakthrough in our rest, and we choose not to pursue it, well, what does that make us? You see, so many of us tell ourselves really great excuses for why breakthrough is not possible. In fact, I wrote a couple of them down. Let me read them to you. Why do we tell ourselves these narratives? Number one, I, I'm, I'm the exception, right? Breakthrough rest, a rest season, a rhythmic rest designed by God is for, for somebody else. I operate differently than others. I am unique and special. How about this one? I can't afford the rest. No, 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 I'll be behind in my work. I depend on being able to hustle and grind and move on my days off so that I'm ready for my on days. How about this one? Work or service or giving or striving is a part of my identity. That's right, it's in my DNA, it's who I am, it's how God made me. I've been created to serve and to give, even if it means that sometimes it's at my own detriment. How about this one? It's not possible for me to rest. Yeah, I, I'm a single mom, I'm, I'm doing it by myself, I'm a young adult, there's no one there to step in to cover for me. Or this one, this one we often hear, I feel guilty when it's time to rest. I, somebody else will have to pick up my slack. If I'm sitting here with my feet up and there's a baby crying, somebody's got to get the baby. And so in order for me to get rest and reprieve, somebody else has to do overtime. I feel guilty. Or this one is my favorite and probably the most common. I don't know how to rest. So many of us have never learned the idea of stillness and contentment. How many times have you heard about these concepts in a church service? So I ask you again, or I make this statement, to have the ability to have breakthrough, the thing that would occupy your anxiety in your mind, but not pursue it, what does that make us? Let me ask you a second question, a follow-up question, to serve the God that's in your notes, the God of breakthrough, and not pursue him then, is simply prideful. You see, we don't just have this idea of rest and breakthrough designed by God and given to us. We actually get the ability to serve the God of breakthrough. 
So what does it mean if the God of the universe speaks to you and speaks to me and tells us how to replenish our lives, how to recoup our spirits, how to have the rhythm that pleases him, and we choose to give all of these really great excuses over why that simply doesn't apply. Last week we studied uh, rest and, and, and Pastor Damon laid out to us how rest is actually a product of creation. I wanna take you to exactly where we see it first, show up in scripture so that we can begin to understand the framework of where this comes from in Genesis chapter two, go with me to verse one through four. It says this, so the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed on the seventh day. God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, because it was the day when he rested from his work of creation. And this is the account of the creation of the heavens and earth. You see, this is the full creation story, and I bet you've heard this before on, on day one. I'll even account it for you, what's happening before in Genesis. On day one, God creates light. The second day, he creates land. The third day, he creates a water and plants, and fourth is the moon and the stars. Fifth is the sea creatures, and finally sums up by day six with animals and man. But see, Genesis 2, chapter 2, tells us something very perplexing. It's very interesting. And I first found this in a book that I was reading. It was all the way from a Jewish rabbi who was being quoted, Abraham Joshua Heschel. Hopefully I said that right, who was a Jewish uh, rabbi and a scholar. And he says this, we would have assumed by the scriptures in Genesis that if God was done with all of the things that we just listed, light and water and land and plants and animals and even man, that it would have said on day six, his work was finished. But that's actually not what Genesis says. It says in verse two, on the seventh day, God finished his work. Well, that leaves us in a very interesting predicament because everything that was accounted was done in six days. So really what it should have said was after the sixth day, God was finished with all of creation, but that's not what it says. It says he was done creating after seven days. Using this creation framework, then we only have one course of action that only means one thing, and that is that something was still being created on day seven. In fact, many Jewish scholars and rabbis, and, and this, this particular rabbi that I quoted said it was actually rest. Rest itself was created on day seven, and see, then it says on the seventh day, God finished it. What was the only thing that was missing after land and creatures and plants and animals and sea creatures and man? What was still void in the universe was rest. So often we think about Sabbath, we think about this word, we think about rest and we think about some things that we can't do. And I support this morning and I, I propose to you that creation in and of itself, the way it's designed in Genesis, was an outpouring of creation. It wasn't something to say, stop doing. It was something to say, look at what I am doing. I'm giving a void. I'm speaking into something that is still void in the world that I've created. But God doesn't stop there. He gives the children of Israel two opportunities in scripture where he repeats to them this exact moment where he calls this day Sabbath. 
And it's found later in the scriptures. And it's, it's later when the children of Israel have been slaves in Egypt. And he tells them twice. We're going to look at both circumstances this morning because we have so much to glean in what this speaks to our lives. The first account is found in Exodus 16. Now, I'm going to hop around a little bit, but it's there in your notes. So you just follow along with me. We're going to jump a couple of scriptures around Exodus 16, beginning in verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going down. I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day, the people can go out and pick as much food as they want, as much as they need for that day. And I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. And on the sixth day, they will gather food. And when they prepare it, there will be twice as much as usual. Verse 19, then Moses told them, don't keep any of it until the morning. But some of them did not listen and kept some of it until the morning. But by then it was full of maggots and had a terrible smell. Come on now. And Moses was very angry with them. Jump down with me to verse 27. Some of the people went out anyway on the seventh day, but they found no food. And the Lord asked Moses, how long will these people refuse to obey my commands and instructions? They must realize that the Sabbath is the Lord's gift to you. And this is why he gives you a two-day supply on the sixth day. So there will be enough for two days. And on the Sabbath day, you must each stay in your place. Do not go out to pick up any food on the seventh day. So the people did not gather any food on the seventh day. This is the first time this shows up for us in real life. This is the practice test for the children of Israel because they have just come out of slavery. And the first thing that they do is they say, whoa, 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 Moses, where's our food at? Where, what am I going to eat all day? And so God gives them what he calls a test of manna and quail. Now to them, God's doing the thing. He's hooking them up with food. But to God, he's actually testing their resolve. He's testing, as I would say to my kids, their listening ears. You know what I'm saying? The Sabbath is not about people having not enough. It's not about you and I cutting things off. It's also about just listening to the rhythm of God. See, Moses said, don't go out there and go collecting more than you need. What happened when the children of Israel did that? Maggots met, ended up in their food. Come on, that's a nasty picture. They tried to do too much. Why? Because I'm a slave and I don't know when I'm going to eat again. Come on, how many times have you and I said, I don't know when God's going to bless me again. I don't know what this is going to look like. So let me hoard it and pack it in. Let me, let me put it in here. Let me put some food in my, in my jacket because I don't know what this is going to look like. You see, when we have this idea of excess, it's like telling God, I don't know that I trust you to be my daily bread. On the flip side of that, the other thing that he said is, don't go out there and do not enough. In fact, on day seven, on the day that, that I want you to observe this as Sabbath, there won't be anything for you. This scripture teaches us that the Sabbath is designed for you and I, just like it was for the children of Israel. You see, God doesn't want us to do too much, and he doesn't want to do, have us do too little. He tells the children of Israel by, by the, uh, the analogy of food. He says, I want you to go out and I want you to get just enough. If you do too much, the worms and the maggots are going to eat your food. If you do too little, you're going to be hungry, boo. And so God's saying, look, I'm trying to teach you 
that the rhythm that I want you to have for me from now until forever is a daily bread situation by which I become the Lord for you, that you depend on me every single day. And P.S., it says this in verse 29, the Sabbath is my gift for you. You see, if we're honest, sometimes we feel like I don't want to be told what to do. I don't want God to put boundaries in place. I'll decide if I need the boundary. Thank you very much. Come on, can we have some real talk this morning? I don't know if I want you to tell me that I need to keep this day separate. I'll decide for myself. But God is saying, will you not understand? Will you stop being hard-headed and understand this is my gift for you? Why do we fight God? Why even in, in this year, in this decade, in this season of modern day society, do we continue to fight God? You see, we have some deeply embedded beliefs, both in our soul and in our society, that honors the spirit of busy. In fact, this is found in your notes. Busyness is absolutely seen as a pedestal. What do you believe about people who observe rest? Oftentimes in our society, rest is associated, is associated with unproductivity, with laziness, with people who won't hustle to go get what they need. We put our value in what you put your hands to. So often you see people who say, if you want something, you better go what? You better go get it. We have this idea that intertwines our purpose with our hustle. And you see, God speaks to us something totally different. He says, let me teach you the spirit of Sabbath. Because in your striving, in your hustle, in your go, you will exhaust yourself. But when you trust me, and what you, when you put me as God of the Sabbath, then you take busyness off the throne. The second reason that this is so deeply embedded in our lives, a deep root that we have to understand that we're fighting against, is control is a difficult thing to surrender. Come on, choices give us the semblance of power that we have the ability to make our own way. And even if we don't have total control, it feels like we do. The lack of control in our lives often is the root of people's anxiety and even depression. So what's the result for you and I in this day and age? What's the result for us as we're weighing through these societal pressures and what God's telling us in the example of the Sabbath? And then we have somebody like Pastor Damon and Ty that come with a, a series called Breakthrough, Rest Break, where we go, whoa, but what does that mean to me? You see, two things happen when we do not adequately understand what God is asking. The first thing that happens is we overdo it. And you see this a lot, even today in modern day, in some modern religions where, where they will take Sabbath to the extreme. Pastor David and I had the opportunity a couple years ago to travel to Israel and they told us all of the ways that they observe the Sabbath. And listen, when the nation observes a Sabbath unto the Lord, it is a cool thing to witness. You talk about things shutting down. I mean, it was hard to go into the marketplace. It was hard to find food. It was hard to go even into the airport. It was a skeleton crew. Things shut down in Israel when people are honoring the Lord. But let me tell you what the crazy part was when we were in Israel. They told us all the things you also couldn't do. You couldn't push the elevator button to get up to the flight. If you lived on, you know, the 20th story, too bad, so sad. You couldn't push any buttons. You couldn't tear, listen, in some cases, it's not always the case, you couldn't tear the square of the toilet paper 
Come on, somebody. What happens if you don't pre-plan your situation? I mean, th there is no work, right? No work. In some cases, for, for very strict practices, there is no electronics. There's nothing set up that hasn't already been done. And this is what happens sometimes when we don't understand God's laws. We start to overdo it. We want to obey so bad that we start making up stuff God didn't ask us for. Have you ever been there? And sometimes in our life, we do the opposite. We underdo it. And this is where we say, God, I I'm going to find out what the standard is, and I'm going to try to get by with the least resistance possible. This is minimalism. This is saying, well, I'm going to kind of obey, but I'm not really going to obey. So I'm going to kind of maybe take a nap for an hour, but I'm not really going to declare the Sabbath because I don't need the whole day like everybody else needs the whole day. Right. We, we take a minimalist approach. We overdo it or we underdo it. And both paths lead us to a place of disobedience. I'm going to throw on the screen for you the spectrum of disobedience that we can see in our lives. And you can see that it ranges from blatant disobedience. I'm just not doing that. Right. And in some cases, we have partial disobedience. We have obedience that says, well, I'm going to obey a little bit, but I'm going to create my own rules. I'm going to create my own concoction. And then we get a bitterness of obedience. Now, this one is interesting because it says, I'm going to obey, but I'm not going to like it. I'm going to do the things, but I'm going to be talking underneath my breath and dragging my heels the whole way. And then the final one, and this is a dangerous one, is we do it, but hard hearted because we don't understand the spirit or the essence. And so our heart turns to stone. God shows the Israelites two opportunities. Remember, I told you when they were coming out of Egypt, the two times he instructed them to obey the Sabbath. Now I want to read the first one. The first one was a test. Remember, that was with food and manna and quail. But then he literally tells them, now obey my Sabbath and stop playing. Okay, here's the first one. It's found in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 11. It says this, remember to observe the Sabbath by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. And that is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. You see, he gives Exodus chapter 20 a model that says God did this in creation. We already talked about it. God established this in creation. It was his rhythm. Now follow me. God did it, now follow the plan. God rested, we should be resting. Yeah, you got it. It's like God gives us this blueprint. He's like, don't freestyle my blueprint. Don't make it complicated. I created the earth, I rested. I gave you the model, accept it. But the crazy part is when I kept reading, I found that in Deuteronomy chapter five, God gives a second command very similar to the first with a couple of nuances will you go with me to deuteronomy chapter 5 beginning in verse 12 now this is going to tie it all together and let me tell you one thing before we jump in and read this 40 years have passed so the first uh, declaration of the sabbath is right after the manna and quail the children of israel have just left slavery 40 years pass as they're in the desert and moses tells the people again 
This is what it says. Now, I want you to look real closely. These two scriptures are going to go on the screen side by side. I want you to see if you can see the difference in the scripture. So the, the first one we just read, the second one says, observe the Sabbath by keeping it holy. As the Lord your God has commanded you, you have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. And on that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male, your female servants, your oxen, your donkeys, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. All your male and female servants must rest as you do. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. And that is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. Did you catch the difference? The first one is an act and a response of creation. Just do it because I'm God and I modeled it for you and it's my gift for you. The second time, the Israelites have to be reminded that for 40 years and 400 years before that, their ancestors had been enslaved. And this is so interesting to me, and this is where we're going to camp for a moment. Because God needed, in all this time, to get the slave mentality out of them. He says, don't forget, you were slaves once. You didn't have the ability to decide that you wanted to rest you didn't have the ability to pick up and eat grapes today and chicken tomorrow. You didn't have the ability to get the God rest that I have designed for you. So will you remember for a moment that you were once slaves? Will you remember that I also saved you out of slavery and I am the God who did it? I'm going to say it to you like this. The Sabbath is a process of breaking slave mentality. You see, we have slave mentality today, although we are not uh, chained, we are not slaves, we are not Egyptians. But I declare to you this morning that there are real chains that keep us bound. And you know this because we've all journeyed through a crazy time over these last, I would say now two years, where the whole world seems to have been falling apart. And if there was anything crazy going on in us, it has bubbled to the surface. And I don't know about you, but there have been times where I'm like, I feel like the chains of my own mind, my own situation are bogging me down. We have the chains of slavery that follow us, but that's not it. We also come to God, not just with shackles on our feet, but a slave mentality. You see, God took the children of Israel for 40 years and he said, I've got to help you think differently because you are still operating like someone who is bound in chains. And although I can't see your chains this morning, I know that I know that I know that when we don't understand the Sabbath, they are still there. The last thing that God has to break for us is a slave spirit. You see, some things in our life we can't put our finger on. They're not a physical chain that maybe we have around our hands or our feet, but they are things in our life that bog our spirit down. They come when we have too much or too little. And in just a moment, I'm going to throw an assessment on screen for you so you can take a little gut check and say these are the, th the areas where there's too much and there's too little. It's this idea of margin that God speaks to us. 
I love this quote from Harriet Tubman, uh, the emancipator of a lot of slaves here in the United States. And, and she said this, I freed thousands of slaves and I could have freed thousands more if they had only known that they were slaves. Now, I'm obviously still young enough. I didn't live during this time, but I can only imagine what it would have been like to be somebody like Harriet Tubman who had seen freedom, had come back for people who were enslaved, only for some of them to say, no, thank you. For some of them to say, I'm good. For some of them to say, my life here is good. Come on, have you ever been there with God? Where you say, the thing that is bogging me down, I hate it, but I'm good. Don't touch the thing that I am indulging in. It's not something that I'm ready to give up yet. See, you and I are, have this idea of freedom and slavery, and although we hate it, we don't, we're not quite ready to give it up. I love this in Galatians 3.3, 3, because it speaks directly to the heart of the matter. It says, are you so foolish? After beginning by the means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by the means of the flesh? I love this because in this passage, it's saying God has done something for you. It was started in spirit realms. Why are you still trying to carry that thing all in your own strength? The Sabbath is from God, but it's also for God. You see, based on what we know from the children of Israel, we understand that the freedom that they experienced and that you and I experience has to be practiced. We have to get our feet wet. We have to make some missteps. We have to figure it out. We have to keep it in front of us. It has to be a continual practice in our life. Isaiah 30, uh, 15 and 16 says this. This is fantastic as we talk about this idea of practicing it. This is what the sovereign Lord says, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. You said, no, we'll flee on horses. Therefore, you will flee. You said, we'll ride off on swift horses. And therefore, your pursuers will be swift. You see, this scripture tells us that we have the choice. Freedom and rest is a choice of ours. It says, you wouldn't have none of it. You had the opportunity to have rest and salvation and strength, but you decided that I don't need that. I'm good where I are, where I, where I are, where I am. So it's a choice. And my goodness, when you know better and you say, no, 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 I'm good, God. I got horses. Horses going to take me there real fast. This is how God ends that scripture and says, okay, then the things that pursue you, the things that chase after you, your pursuers, they're going to be swift too. You see, there's a difference, and this is where I want to uh, conclude our time today by giving us this idea and understanding of what do we do with that? What do we do with the knowledge of God? We want to obey God. We're ready to obey God. We have to understand a couple of things to put in our tool chest in order to honor God in this way. See, first thing we must understand is that there's a Sabbath day and a Sabbath heart. A Sabbath day honors the rhythm of God. God gives us clear instructions every seven days rest. From, from the sun up to the sundown, from a, from a time period to a time period, you need three zones, eight hours each zone. That's 24 hours. You need that every seven days. It's a rhythmic schedule. It's setting boundaries. It's putting things in place 
that are structural. That is a Sabbath day, but the Sabbath heart is all about the attitude that we take. It's saying, I'm not going to just sit with my feet up at the beach. I'm actually going to take this Sabbath day and I'm going to refocus my mind on Jesus. I'm going to recenter and realign with the mind of Christ. You see, it's maintaining margin in our lives for the purpose of restored connection with Christ. In Sabbath day, we say, I will honor you, God, through biblical rest and boundaries. And our Sabbath heart says, I'll relinquish the control in my life. And I accept the margin and restored connection because I trust God more than I trust myself. Sabbath day and Sabbath heart. So I wanna ask you, and I have a little analogy uh, for you here to kind of bring home this idea of Sabbath margin. I'm just gonna grab it here because oftentimes in our life when we think about Sabbath, we think about those seven days. We think about seven full days. We don't think about the rest of our lives that are packed and filled. We don't think about our, our closets or our toys. We don't think about the books on our bookshelf that we no longer read. We don't think about our social media. We don't think about exercise. We don't think about our love for food. In fact, all of the things that you see here on your screen are areas for us to assess where is the margin in your life. And when we say margin, we want to make sure that we're assessing, is there too much or is there too little in any one of these areas? And let's just give it a pulse check. Another way to say it is this kind of analogy. Now, I've taken the liberty to put some water in this jar. And just so that we could adequately see what was happening, I've used a little bit of green dye to emphasize the point. Now, what if I told you I would give you a million dollars right now? If you filled this jar to the brim where there was no ability to add in not even one more drop of water. If you go over, the deal's off. And if I can add in more water, I cut that money in half. You and I would begin to eyeball the, the containers. Well, this one looks bigger. And this one looks smaller, but this one's fatter. Let's see what would happen if we take a little bit of energy, if we take a little bit of exertion, if we take what, what would represent our striving or our ambitions, and we would put it into this container, which would be like our capacity. This represents what we can handle, what our lives can hold. And this represents what we have to give which is often more than what we can handle. So I'll begin by just saying, I'll go for the million dollars. Why wouldn't I? So I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna fill it up as much as I can. I'm gonna hope that I can get it all the way to the top. I'm gonna take it and I eyeball it. I don't have much water left in my container, but I've got a little bit. The question that I have for you is, is there anything left? Is there any more room left? And maybe you would look at it and say, oh, I don't want my money slashed in half, but I think, I think there's just a little bit more. So what do you say? Is there more room? 
there's some more room. I can take a little bit more. I can push the envelope a little bit. I don't know. Am I good there? Should we stop for the million dollars? See, what you don't know is I have a separate container that doesn't look to give energy in buckets and batches. But this is what happens when you and I feel like we can push the envelope a little bit with God. God, I know you said Sabbath is about us honoring the day. I know that you said that you have this day for everybody, but I'm the exception. I know that you said that we need to have a Sabbath, but you know what, God? I've got kids. And what you don't know is I don't have nobody to watch these kids. So I'm going to push the envelope a little bit. Oh, God, I also just need to quickly run these errands. Don't you worry about a thing. I'm still resting. Oh, that work email, the one that just, oh, I got to answer it. I got to do it before Monday because, oh, my gosh, they're going to be so upset with me if I don't. Oh, my husband and wife, they need me to mow the grass. They need me to organize the garage, to lube all the bicycles. They need me to wash the dishes a second time. It just must be done. Who's going to do it if not me? And what happens is you and I find every excuse in the book to give all of the reasons why we cannot honor God with the Sabbath until at some point the capacity spills over. And we lose. You see, the thing is, is when we, whether it comes in batches or whether it comes in drips, the exhaustion is still out. It's over. We lose. The money is gone. The game is over. And God says, I never intended for you to get to the place where your cup was so spilling over. You've left no margin for me to pivot. You've left no room for me to zig when you want to zag. You've left no space for me to be God. I'm trying to put some margin in here, but I don't have any room. If it's not in the carefully prescribed plan, there's nothing that you've allowed me to do. And so therefore, I can't be your God. I can't be the one who's both on the throne when you and I are both trying to be in control of the situation. So I ask you again, as we look at all of the ways that the Sabbath margin could appear in our lives, for you to do a quick assessment. Where in these areas are you too much or too little? Where is your foot on the gas or where do you need to pull back? I ask you, where is there margin in your cup intentionally? There are four areas we're taking this assessment. We're looking to say, where, where is there margin and where do I have room to grow? There are four effects on our direct, directly on our lives. And I'm going to ask you these questions as a form of self-assessment, nothing more. And I propose them to you as the last four bullets on your worksheet today. The first one is, what is the effect of Sabbath margin on your mind? And I'm going to ask you this question. What does having the mind of Christ look like in your life? For some of you, you would say, it's been a very long time since I feel like I've been able to have the mind of Christ, to be a subject to where the Spirit would have me go, how he would speak to me. It's been a long time, Pastor Ty, since my mind has been quiet enough to hear God. Sabbath has an effect on our mind. But it doesn't just affect our mind, it also affects our physical body. My mom, who's a, a licensed therapist, often says, the body doesn't lie. It comes out somewhere. 
So the question for you today is where do I feel it? If I have Sabbath margin in my life or I don't have enough, where does it come out? Is it a feeling in my gut? Is it somewhere where I can't sleep? My mind is racing. My body gets chills. I start to get sick. Where do I feel it? The third one is that Sabbath margin affects our closest relationships. This is a tough question, but I'm getting ready to drop it on you. Who is getting your leftovers? You know what's so funny about Sabbath margin is we go, 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 and often forsake the people that are the closest to us. You see, we do the same thing with God. We say, God is going to be all right. He's so forgiving. He's the closest one to me. He's okay with my leftovers. I want to ask you this morning, who is getting your leftovers? And the fourth one is Sabbath margin has direct effect on our spirit. Now I ask you this question, where do I cut spiritual corners when I have no margin? You see, observing the Sabbath and implementing the Sabbath are two different things. And in each scenario, it has direct effect on our mind, our body, our relationships, and our spirit. We conclude our time with this scripture found in Ezekiel. Many of you will have heard this scripture, but I want to pray this over you in a new and fresh way. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 25. And it says, I will also sprinkle clean water on you and you'll be clean. I'll cleanse you from all of your impurities and your idols. I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. You see, for so many of us this morning, my prayer is that we would not just hear it and be okay with a heart that is hardened, that we wouldn't be okay on any level of the spectrum of disobedience, but we would say, God, exchange for me a heart of flesh in any area where it's been calloused, in any area that I've lied to myself, to tell myself that not honoring you with the Sabbath is okay. City Place, can I pray for you this morning? I wanna pray that for some of you, the first time in a long time, or maybe even ever, that you will experience the refreshing power of God, the God of the Sabbath the God of breakthrough, that you would accept a rest break to your mind, your body, your soul, and your spirit. Can we pray together this morning? Father, I thank you for everyone watching this morning. I speak a holy rest that would come over us. God, we desire to honor you with our whole lives. And we declare right now that we won't go any longer by violating knowingly the design of the Sabbath. God, we accept your boundaries as protection. We thank you, Lord, that you've looked after us. And we accept, God, this ability to grow our mind, our body, our relationships, and our spirit. And right now we are asking you to breathe on us and refresh us in every way, in Jesus' name. 
Now listen, maybe you've never prayed that prayer or something as bold as it. Maybe you would say, Pastor Ty, I, I know I hear you talking about God and I hear you talking about the Lord of the Sabbath, but the truth is, Pastor Ty, that I need to be in right relationship with God. I know it, I feel it this morning. I want to draw closer to God, but I don't even know how to do it. And friend, I would say to you this morning that with boldness and in the family of believers, we're here cheering you on. You simply declare a simple prayer that says, Jesus Christ, I believe that you died for me that you rose again, and I declare you as Lord, my Lord, and I'm your child. You declare with your mouth and believe in your heart, and the Bible says, it's just that. There's no more rocket science that you are saved. Will you pray that prayer? Go ahead and do it right where you are. Throw up your hands or in the privacy of your own home. Say, Jesus, I believe that you died for me, that you rose again, and I call you God and I'm your child in Jesus' mighty name, amen. It says that all of heaven throws a party for your boldness this morning. And I wanna be one of the first people to say, welcome into the family of Jesus. Maybe you prayed that prayer before, or maybe you've never prayed it, but nevertheless, we wanna know it because we wanna know and help and partner with you in this journey in your walk with Jesus. I'm so proud of you this morning. I'm so proud of all that God is doing. Well, I wanna know, did something pop out at you this morning? Did something resonate with you? Well, City Place, the last thing we're gonna do is we're gonna honor God with our giving. You saw at the beginning of our broadcast that we were planting seeds, all that you've been doing, you've been sowing. And as you sow into City Place Church, listen, we send out the first 1% of all that comes in and the first 10% of all that comes in right back out into the community, into the city, into the nation, into the world. You saw where we helped plant churches in America and even here in the city of Orlando, one is launching just this morning. This is what happens when you join together kingdom finances for God's work. I'm telling you, it's advanced. The kingdom is advanced and we are excited about all that God is doing. So I invite you this morning to join us with expectation with your giving. You go to cityplacechurch.com backslash give, and that'll get you all the electronic resources as well as how to give right here on your screen. Well, City Place, I'm telling you, I am so excited that you are here today, that we got to join together, that we got to worship together. Now listen, family, if you are in Orlando and you've been missing church, I've been missing seeing your face. So it's time for you to come back into the house of God. I'm ready to lift up our hands together and jump around and praise God together. If you are our family watching from all over the world, then we invite you to remain a part of the City Place virtual campus. We're not going anywhere. This is the beauty of all things COVID. We never thought we would say that, huh? That's right. All right, City Place, we love you so much. Have yourself a great week. And I wanna hear about how the God of rest is incorporated in a new way in your life. Love you so much, have a great week. Thanks so much for joining us. Stay connected by subscribing to the City Place Church podcast, following us on Instagram, checking us out on Facebook, or by visiting our website, www.cityplacechurch.com.